Back in here on a Monday morning drive, Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquis, ESPN 102.5, the game. Good to have you in here as we talk all things football today. Also, you know, we got the Vols, Vandy, Titans, Preds. We'll get to everything again here in the final two hours of the show. Uh, stick to sports at 845. Darren McFarlane will join us at 9 o'clock. And, of course, the big finish at 9.45. But let's go to Knoxville as we welcome in our pal Wes Rucker. Go Vols 24-7. Wes, happy Monday. We appreciate a couple of minutes. How you doing, pal? No, doing all right. How y'all doing today? We are doing well. Uh, obviously, the game Saturday night took a big turn on the Jarrett Garantano quarterback sneak, fumble, turned all the way back around for a touchdown, major swing. Uh, take us behind the scenes. What exactly – Because from what we gather, is that the play was not supposed to be a quarterback sneak, yet that's exactly what Jared Garantano did. What What are you hearing as to where the miscommunication was? Well, I think they were all on the same page in the huddle. Uh, I thought they they thought they were going to bring in uh, Kavaris Crouch. He's kind of a, a, a he's a freshman linebacker, but he also does some goal line running back stuff. And I think they had a pretty simple give over the left side, right over, right over left guard. And, and, and I think uh, if you see the overhead angle of it, um, that play was open. I mean, I think Jim Chaney could have walked in uh, for a touchdown run on that play. It was it was wide open, but when they got to the line, for whatever reason, uh, Garantano decided to, to kind of go with the sneak there. And, and they'd done it before in that game, and, and it had worked. Um, but he decided to go for the sneak, and and the blocking wasn't really there for it. And they decided to kind of go over the top like uh, like Drew Brees does sometimes. And uh, instead, he just lost the ball, and it it fell to the feet of the fastest guy on the field. And the rest is history. Just um, kind of a shocking moment. And, and you know, I think some people have said that that he's gone rogue and all these other things. I mean, that's a that's an audible that you see quarterbacks make a lot. If the sneak is there, you go to it. Oh, I was but just it, was I was just going to ask you does does he have the autonomy to change out of a play, or does he is he been told to stick to what the play call is? Uh, for the most part, I think he's been given freedom more than than, than Maurer has. You know, because he's an older guy. You know, he, he's played. Uh, you know, more than 20 games now. He's been a starter for a while. You know, he started for a while. He's a guy who generally has the freedom if he sees something uh, to check into it. Um, but I think there have been issues uh, the past few weeks, maybe that he's done it sometimes when they didn't want him to, and uh, or, or didn't see the same look that he saw at the line. So um, there have been some issues there, and that'll be interesting to, to ask about today when we talk to Pruitt here in a couple hours. But yeah, I mean that that was. Um, just a, a really, really bad decision at a really bad time, and we've seen that before. So, so how how are how do you explain or or maybe analyze the the game itself? Like, certainly they played better than anticipated in the fourth quarter. It still ends up a twenty two point loss in conference. Also, Tua doesn't play the entire second half, but neither does Brian Maurer. So, how how do you evaluate what took place? Are fans looking at that as man? We got lucky to it didn't play, and we, we you know we played valiantly and made a couple of mistakes. Or are they looking at it like, you know, hey, we we didn't have our starting quarterback? Like, how, how are people viewing the the way the team performed against Alabama? You know, I, I think people are actually more optimistic than anything else. If if that makes sense, I, I think that that they see how much better that team's gotten on the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're frustrated. Um, 
you know, with the way it ended, but uh, I think Garantano is the one taking a lot of the blame for that, to be honest with you. They, they just, they've seen him make those kind of mistakes before. So that's where things kind of are now. But I, I think in general, um, now there's still frustration over those first two losses of the season. Those are still there and they're still haunting kind of everything. But I don't think anyone can doubt how much this team has improved throughout the year. And, and I think they see some reasons to believe it's just, you know, they just hate the way it ended. But, you know, those are games that over the past dozen years, Bama's found ways to win and Tennessee's found ways to lose. And that's just kind of how it's going to be until they change the culture. Now, going back to that play and then what happened subsequently after that, when Tan, um, just about to say Tannehill, when Garantano came back to the sideline, obviously Pruitt was, um, you know, beside himself and he should have been. He was upset. Um, but he, 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 he grabbed the young man's face mask. Now, I don't, again, I don't see anything wrong with it, but, you know, the climate that we're in, I guess you can't do anything. Uh, what has been the the talk, or has there been much backlash um, there in Knoxville? No, there's been, a, I think, a little bit, Derek. I, I think there's been some, there, there's been some people certainly who didn't like it. And, and my kind of rule on this, I, I'm kind of in the middle on this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think that a coach, and especially these days, shouldn't grab a player's face mask for any reason. But I went back and watched it a lot and watched the replay just to kind of figure it out. And, you know, I'm kind of in the middle on this. I, I think it's something a coach, you know, shouldn't do, especially in this era. Um, but I've seen worse, and I, I think that's something that falls under the category of, nah, I don't love it, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I think it's probably something you can clear up with a conversation and move on uh, and just say, hey, don't do not do that anymore. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, you're talking about a coach who had, you know, 13 flags thrown on his team throughout the game. And, you know, they had some really tough moments there and they fought back through it. And they're on the road. And it's a tough environment. And they're so close. They put together a 70 yard drive and everything's looking pretty good, all things considered. And then that happens. And I think the bottom just kind of fell out. And that's no excuse. Uh, but I, I think that sort of puts his mood in context there. And uh, maybe he thought Garantana was walking by him, and he said, hey, I'm not done talking to you yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now there's better ways to do that. Exactly. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the conversation to have. But for me, I follow it under – I don't love it, but uh, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I, don't, I, don't, I'm not, I don't feel outraged. Now, do, do you believe he has to go on now this apology tour, so to speak? You know, his press conferences, it has to be started. Because someone's going to ask, ask the question again. Do you think now, probably talking with the AD, the president, and whoever else, now he has to go on sort of this apology tour that I didn't mean to do it, I can't do it, heated battle, everything else? I think you'll probably see something like that. You know, I I think they'll try to, and I'm just guessing Mm -hmm. here, you know, because I've gotten to know Pruitt a little bit the past couple years. I think he'd probably say, you know, you know, I didn't mean to do it, and uh, you know, I it wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened, but it was a mistake that I made, and I can't do that. And I talked to Jared, and I talked to everybody else, and I I don't need to do that. I got to move on. I, I think that's probably what he'll say, something like that, when he's asked about it. I don't know that, mm-hmm. um, but I think he'll probably kind of say, "Yeah, I shouldn't have done that," and I've talked to everybody about it, and it was a mistake, and 
you know, we're all moving on now, and but I shouldn't have done it. I I think something like that's probably the the way he'll answer that when he's asked, and and I I'd be surprised if he's not asked about it today. Wes, final one for you. Uh, from the officiating standpoint, it just felt like a really bad performance. A lot of bad calls that went against Tennessee on Saturday night against Alabama. Also, earlier in the day, the, the flags in the Florida-South Carolina game to the point where Will Muschamp looked like his head was ready to explode. Uh, I mean, are we looking at some really poor officiating in this conference right now? You know, I, I think we're seeing some some rough moments for sure uh, and, and i think that yeah you know, I, I, I don't the, you see fans with this conspiracy theory stuff i don't believe that i i just think some officials are you know more so in basketball than football but a little bit in football too uh, there's just some bad refs out there just like there's you know bad sports writers out there covering it and all these no. other things i mean there's you know there there's there's uh oh well, yeah i mean come on let's be real here but yeah i mean it, it, it's I think with all these angles that we have nowadays, it's so much easier to see things from a million angles. And, and I get it. You know, refs have a tough job. Um, but that game was pretty poorly managed Saturday night. Uh, there were some – they never really got a firm hold on the game. Both coaches were just furious throughout the night. Tennessee lines up for a trick play, and the, the ball – they just step in and stop it for reasons I still don't understand. Maybe something about the play clock. I don't know. Um, but that was at a bad moment. The Dale Taylor calls, one of the worst I've ever seen. Uh, that was pretty – I mean, you, you, you'll see 15 things worse than that in just about any football game you ever see. So I, I, I don't know um, where their head was at on a couple of those calls, but I also know that we have about a billion cameras now with HD lenses and we can see everything from every angle and it's different. Um and those guys have a tough job, but I think they got to find a way to do it better than they did in that game. Uh, Wes, obviously with the win against Mississippi State and, and playing better against Bama, for example, that there is some hope that this team might be able to salvage the season and, and win a couple more games down the stretch. How would 3-5 and five and 5-7, five and 3-5 and five in the SEC, maybe you beat Vandy and you beat South Carolina, um, how, how does that feel? sit with Tennessee fans you beat UAB you finish five and seven no technical progress as far as record goes what's the reaction to that that type of season I think that's the kind of season that maybe puts the staff on notice going into year three um but I I think a lot of people understood the nature of the rebuild now that Georgia State loss and to a certain extent BYU too but mostly Georgia State uh, those are going to sit there and they're not going to be pretty um, but I, I think if you finish the season stronger, you can make an argument that you improved throughout the year, that some of your guys got back healthy, and then you were out there and, and played better football. Um, you know, you bring back most of your line of scrimmage, pretty much all of it next year. You know, th- th- there's a lot that you can point to and say, hey, th- th- this can get better. Um, and-, and I've said this before, guys. I'm not excusing anything. I said from the beginning it's a three-year rebuild, so we'll see where they are. Um, but I think if they salvage this thing and they get to like a five and seven or something like that, I don't think the bottom falls out. I think everyone knows that makes next year more important, but I don't think you're going to see anybody just blowing a gasket over that because I think it all kind of is relative to – 
did you perform better throughout the year? They're grading it on a curve. I think most people are. Now they can't do that forever. That makes next year a lot more important and a lot more stressful. Um, but that's what happens when you lose to Georgia State. Wes, always a pleasure. We appreciate the time. Thank you very much. No problem. Anytime, guys. Y'all know that. You got it, Wes Rucker. Go Vols 24-7. Always good enough to give us a couple of minutes for the perspective in Knoxville. And, you know, maybe it is a turning point. I, I know it's a 22-point loss, but the Mississippi State win – you know, serviceable effort on Saturday until that big turnover. You know, maybe you win against South Carolina and we start to feel better about I, this team. I, I do not like the offensive lines matchup against South Carolina, but if they, you know, they, they can win that game. They should be favored against, they, they're probably a eight, nine, ten point favorite over Vanderbilt right now. If you can mm-hmm. beat UAB, again, three wins in the SEC, three and five, it, it doesn't feel terrible because if you'd have told people they were going to go three and five in the SEC this year at the beginning of the season, they would have assumed a 4-0 non-conference record, and they would have assumed a 7-5 and season, which would have been marked progress. But 5-7, and seven, I don't think fans anticipated hiring a coach and going 5-7 and seven two years in a row. I disagree with Wes on that. I don't think people thought the quote-unquote rebuild shouldn't, like, you have to show growth. You have to show progress. And if you're still losing by 20-plus points against SEC teams, where's the actual progress and growth, you know, in a record standpoint? I see the growth on the field, but they they got to win some games down the stretch. Coming up next, we will get back to the Tennessee Titans. Yesterday, they beat the, uh, the Chargers 23-20, to now 3-4 and four on the season. Our big takeaways and reaction coming up next on Morning Drive. I and Eagle, the call yesterday with Dan Fouts on CBS as the Tennessee Titans defeat the Chargers 23-20 to in a great debut for not only Ryan Tannehill, but also Jeffrey Simmons. And I'm not going to over overreact and say... Season has been saved. Here come the Titans. But it feels like the season was extended yesterday by what I thought was really not only two great debuts Mm -hmm. from a quarterback and a first-round draft pick, but a much-improved offensive line. I like how you um, phrase that. Um, The season was extended because if, you know, if they – if Melvin Gordon or even Eckler – uh, let's just start there. If Eckler scores, um, this is a different ball game. Well, it's a different season for the Tennessee Titans right now. I was almost rooting for him to score on that play because then I would have been like, you know what? The Titans have three timeouts and 40 seconds. No, I That's enough time for them to make something happen because I didn't think if they had ruled him down that they were going to be able to actually stop him on two more plays. I and- didn't think they would stop him either, but they did. Um and that puts them at three or four right now, two games behind Indianapolis. Um, but it was they they extended their season. Um, you know, you can look at what Jeffrey Simmons was able to do in his twenty one plays um, as a as a you know his, his debut in the NFL. He did really good. Now you want him to build on that. Um, you know, the offense just looked different. Um, Tannehill looked crisp. Uh, he looked decisive. Uh, when his first one there, he went to his second or his third. It, it, this is what I see because A.J. Brown and, and Corey Davis both caught six passes. One caught a touchdown, sharp caught a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Where has he been? He's been MIA, probably not because of him, but he's just been MIA. He gets the touchdown in the back of the end zone. What I'm seeing now is – these receivers, I think now they 
It's like we know we're going to get the ball. We know even in tight windows we're going to get the ball. He's going to give us an opportunity to make a play. And that's what that, you know, from from when this game started to now, from, you know, my 15 years of playing, it was always said, quarterback, just give them an opportunity to make a play. If you believe in the receiver, you trust them, give them an opportunity to play. Well, Ryan Tannehill trusts these guys. You know, here's another reason why he trusts these guys, because – the backup quarterback gets a lot of time with the receivers, with it, with, whether it be Corey Davis. But I guarantee you got a lot of time with A.J. Brown, the backup quarterback, because A.J. Brown wasn't the starter. So he, he probably did some, you know, he probably did the um, the 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 scout team stuff, which Tannehill had to do, too. So you build up a rapport. I look at it as, you know, when Neil O'Donnell was doing the scout team and I was on the scout team, he and I built up that rapport. And then when Neil started and I was starting, Neil had confidence. He would just throw the ball. And I think that's the way Tannehill feels about A.J. Brown. He feels about Corey Davis, even Jonu Smith. I'm going to give them an opportunity to make plays. It's my job to get it to them. Now you got to make the play. And this offense just – and offensive line blocked much better this past weekend. And you got to give – credit to them too but that offense just looked really different it looked more crisp he looked more decisive there's not a I wasn't when Tannehill dropped back it was like I almost knew it was going to be a completion I don't know if 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 that's weird to say but it just seemed like he was in a rhythm no he was clearly in a yeah. rhythm and, and and I I think the biggest issue the biggest difference for me is the he, is the mental headspace that both players are in right now I mean Marcus mentally looked broken against Denver, and Tannehill yesterday looked mentally like a guy who was trying to prove himself as a backup quarterback who's been given the opportunity, right? Like, I've got to take this opportunity, and I've got to do the most with it, who was, who was excited about his chance to play. And that, that's a very different headspace for both of them. The offensive line was significantly better at protecting the quarterback in the pocket. I know there were two sacks, again, which still puts him at 31 for the year, but they're – the Chargers aren't giving up a lot of yards through the air, but they are not a good defense. They're missing three of their starting defensive linemen. I want to see Tannehill continue to do it consistently week in and week out. We saw Marcus Mariota beat bad teams and bad defenses all the time. We saw it three games ago against Atlanta, who didn't get any pressure on him, and he was able to torch him. So I need to see more, but you cannot argue with the results, even though they tried to give the game away at the end, which wasn't really the offense's fault. Um, outside of maybe the fourth down, you know, you'd like to see them tr- truly take control of the game and get that that one yard that you need, even though they might have actually gotten it and the refs gave them a bad spot and Mike Vrabel should have challenged, but whatever. Um, the offensive line was significantly better in pass pro. It's not even close. Um, they, they were far better, um, and, and Tannehill had time. I picked up Cordy Davis at about 11.55 yesterday and slid him into the lineup in my fantasy team because I thought, you know what, I think the outside receivers – in this game are going to get some love. Delaney Walker played five snaps mm. yesterday. Did not look particularly happy about it on the sidelines. Um, so just a, a very different vibe. Having said all of that, it still was 10-10 going into the fourth quarter, and it felt like a Titans game, right? It still felt like the same old Titans. Even though the offense looked better, felt better, Tannehill looked better, more confident, more mentally you know, prepared, whatever, it still was... You know, 10-10, and the Titans still almost choked it away. So there's still this thing that, you know, I don't know if it's the coach's fault. I don't know if it's Vrabel. I don't know if it's Arthur Smith. The, the offense still felt like there were three plays they called. Like, 
a six-yard cross, a 12-yard cross, and a screen pass. It still felt like a very simple offense, but but they got the job done, and the win is what matters. you got to win. You saved your season for the time being. Let's see what you can do next week. Go out and do it again. Then go out and do it again. Oh, by the way, Drew Brees looks like he's going to come back and play soon, so that's not good news for, <laughs> for the Titans later on. Um, you know, the Mahomes injury maybe gives them a chance to get a win. Like, you just look at the schedule and you go, you, you got to start, you got to keep it going. Uh, what are you going to do next week, right? Like, what are you going to do next, uh, as the late, great Don Meyer would always say. So, uh, excellent performance by Ryan Tannehill on the offense. Um, let, let, show us what you can do. Keep keep going because you've earned the right to, to start again next week and Let's see what happens. You look at the offense, too, with the targets and the receptions for Davis and Smith and Brown, Humphreys, Ferks, or Sharp. I mean, Tannehill spread the wealth around yesterday like he had been the starter all season. I mean, he was in a rhythm, and not only from a mental standpoint and seeing things, but there were a couple of ropes that he threw in tight windows. And you talk about it, D-Mace. Mm-hmm. Sometimes guys aren't open. you got to throw them open uh, I th- I thought Tannehill looked flawless, and I know he had an interception, but that was largely yeah, that on a flawed, um, yeah. you know a deflected pass where his elbow got hit. Yeah, he he play he did exactly what you know they wanted him to do. I think Arthur Smith Smith was a little bit more receptive of you know what opening up the playbook more, uh, giving him opportunities, and then once they started to get in the flow of the game, he expanded it. I think a little bit more. Um, these receivers know now that um, you know even if a guy's on me, he's still going to throw the ball because what he what he's what he's expecting is these guys are all six three, you know six two six three, and they're big guys. Uh, AJ Brown, I think he's about six one, but he's a big guy. I'm going to allow you to use your big frame, and I'm going to throw you the ball, and I expect you to make a play. And, you know, there was a play in the middle of the field that A.J. Brown went up and got. I mean, he just extended his arms and just well, snatched third, it out the air. The big third down uh-huh. one that led to the fourth down quarterback mm-hmm. sneak. You know, I wish A.J. would have gained another six inches or whatever mm-hmm. on that play. But that, that's a that's a play where he uses his body to create a, a window on a, on a third and whatever it was. He was six. an under route. I do yeah. not understand. Here, not that we're going to nitpick here. I do not understand the jet sweep to A.J. Brown. I, I don't understand that. Yeah, one. me that, either. That, that call in that, that moment. Give the ball to Derrick Henry and go forward, yeah. right? Like that that one sort of confused me a little bit. But, it, you know, had that play not happened, the slant to A.J. Brown is a first down, right? Yeah. So, like, it's it, it's it's a weird um, – he gave them – he gave his quarterback a good window with his physicality, with his body. It didn't end up getting the first down, but it ended up being a play that almost gave them the first down. So, um, clearly the receivers were going to be a bigger part of this with Delaney not playing much. Johnny Smith is just such a good athlete that you've got to get him the ball in space because when he catches the football – he can do other things. When he turned and went up the field on the seam route, he's a tackle breaker, right? dude. He, but he also like the burst, like yeah. his first step. He passes linebackers. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if what's the old uh, adage about receivers? If you're even, you're he's, leaving. Yeah, leaving. If if you're even as a linebacker with John New Smith, he's leaving because because he's going to beat you on the first two steps. Yeah. Well, it's the, the Tannehill era has started here in Nashville. It's Tamerhan time. He has Tamer time. <laughs> and, Although he did take it, there's a couple of sacks there where I was like, "Oh God, is that, uh, yeah. uh, don't hurt him!" Yeah, the, the <laughs> one sack was on Tannehill. Yeah, he he should he have one, either yeah. the, the clock's got to go off and he threw the ball away. But he's he's one of he's going to experience some of those things. But I just think this offense is much better with Tannehill at quarterback uh, because he for, trusts for his now. arm. He now, tr- yeah. I think it, honestly, I think it's going now. He's going to have his moments, but I think it's going to be this way now. Whether they win or lose, it's different. Yeah. 
But I think he's going to be this way. I think this team, and I said it before, he gives them the best opportunity to win moving forward. What is going on with Delaney Walker? Number 85 will have a thought on number 82 when we come back here on Morning Drive. Back after this. Where were you when Ryan Tannehill saved a franchise <laughs> and put a city on his back? 30 for wait, 30 wait, coming wait, up in a couple uh, of wait, years. Wait, wait, wait. That, w- that would require uh, the city to be on board with the Titans. Or to be actually at the game. Right, exactly. <laughs> they paying attention the to the game. Yesterday. They wasn't at the game yesterday. No, they, they were not. So, so basically he carried like 12 people on his back yeah, yesterday. Also, uh, I, I don't hate to use facts you know, to describe things. The Chargers defense is not good. So let's see it against a good defense. See, we'll now, go now you got to get me worked up. You, yeah. you had to go, do go it. Go for it. Go for it, man. Go for it. Ignore facts, man. Just ignore reality. You, you just can't just give credit it. to Ryan Tannehill. Why, why, can't you, why can't you do both? When we, we do it with Mariota. We do it with every other player. We do it with Jeremy Pruitt. We do it with everybody in, the, everybody in sports. You, you, you do it. And you give credit when credit is due. And then you, you, you have to point out other sides of the equation. That's all. Just, just so management doesn't get uneasy. <laughs> Just, 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 just say these four words. <laughs> Tannehill had a great day. Tannehill had a good day. Five words. I can't count. I'm a moron. <laughs> Tannehill had a good day. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll take that. I'll okay. accept that. And, and I, which, which I've acknowledged. I think he had a really good day. Which, which no, this, this, no, let, no, let's, 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 let's get into this, Kale. All right, let's do this. Thing. No, no, the management is going to get very uneasy. You, you, you accused me of being uh, f- the Fox Newsification of Marcus Mariota yesterday on Twitter. Fox or CNN, they're both bad. And, and well, one of them, one of them has false opinions, and the other one has no opinions. So yeah, they're both bad. Um, listen, here's the thing: I pointed out facts, which is something, of course, Fox News does not do. I pointed out facts about something, and I, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid that factual information be a part of our sports discussion in life. Heaven forbid. Just the way Derek says, you know, hey, they beat Cleveland, but I'm, I'm just telling it like it is. I see mm-hmm. what I see. They didn't play great on offense. You know, and, and that's right. That's true. It was a two-point game going into the fourth, you know, before the Derrick Henry long touchdown run or, or pass from, from Mariota. The truth is the Chargers are not very good on defense. They, they allow – the fifth highest quarterback rating of anybody in the NFL. And in fact, these are all going into the game, so Tannehill actually made all of these numbers worse. They were 25th in the league in sacks. They only had 12. They got two yesterday. Um, they allow, like, they're sixth in the NFL, sixth worst in the NFL in yards per attempt allowed. They were giving up large chunk plays to everyone they've played. They are a two and five football team that is on the brink of disaster. It was a great, I'll even say phenomenal performance. Epic. Epic performance, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, from Ryan Tannehill. It saved a season. I agree with all of that. The offensive line was better. All of that is true. It does not change the facts that this Chargers defense, statistically, is not an efficient pass defense. They are giving up chunk he- plays all season long. Here's what bothered me about that yesterday. Is I-, I pulled up your Twitter. Everybody in their world, and, and I'm not saying you got to be like everybody else, but the whole Titans Twitter universe is acknowledging Ryan Tannehill's uh-huh. greatness. And I don't see anything other than maybe one little sentence within a paragraph tweet of you acknowledging that Ryan Tannehill was great. Now, I know you put something out later at 6.30, so you came to your senses and acknowledged greatness. That was very big of you. Acknowledged greatness. But my point being was you were pointing out, you know, all the guys that were missing for the Chargers. And my counter was, well, you know, Tannehill lost his right guard. He lost his right tackle. His starting tight end played five plays. So both sides were without some key players. Mm -hmm. 
but it shouldn't diminish the fact uh, that Tannehill came out of mothballs and looked like he was, you know, Joe Montana yesterday. Uh, agreed. And, and, and again, I, I have no issue saying the offensive line was significantly better and the quarterback looked like a different player than Marcus. There's just no question about that. There's no arguing that. Um, I, I will say that in, in my defense, I didn't. Yesterday was my least uh, tweeting Titans game of the year. I had some extenuating circumstances at the house. I'm not making excuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I no, did, I know. I, know. I, I did not have a lot of time to be posting a lot of tweets yesterday. And, and, and so if I failed my Twitter followers during the Titans game yesterday, I do apologize. Um, I, I thought the drive at the end of the first half, which I tweeted about on my timeline before the Chargers uh, a tweet, was a very positive tweet about Ryan Tannehill. So I, I had a couple of positive moments there I, that, was, I just, that was big of you i just did not have a lot of <laughs> I, i'm telling you it is impossible and i was talking about this with my with my mom actually of all people on saturday because she came over to help with the kids and um it, it, it's like i can't watch a game now without twitter it's hard to watch any big sporting event without twitter especially a team that we cover uh, it is extremely impossible to to take care of two children three and under <laughs> and use twitter and keep an eye on the game uh, I was alone with the kids all all weekend, and it was it was tricky for me. So I apologize to Titans fans if you didn't get all the thorough takes that yeah. I normally that I normally distribute. That is on me. Um, but again, I also want to call it how I see it, and I I see a Chargers defensive line with three starters missing. I see a Chargers defense statistically that's not very good at passing. You know, Marcus beat bad defenses all throughout his career here, and Tannehill did that yesterday, and he deserves credit for it. Uh, now let's see what he does that he's had some success. Now let's 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 go out and now there's tape on the Tannehill offense, right? Let's see what it looks like when somebody prepares. Let's see what let, they've let's, always had tape on Tannehill, keep, right? But not with Arthur Smith and this group of players. I'm just saying this this team now. It, it, you got to do it again. That was the issue with Marcus, right? We'd see flashes, we'd see great games, and then we'd see terrible games. And what you need to do is you got to put them back to back to back to back. And so I want to see. Um, I want to see it. Just just do it again. Same thing with Vanderbilt's defense, right? Like, mm-hmm. do it again. We saw it this weekend. Great job. Do it again. Tennessee, you beat Mississippi State. Okay, do it again. Like, you you just you have to keep doing it. And and so, great game by Tannehill. Great win by the Titans, even though they tried to choke it away in typical Titan fashion. Go out and win another game and be 4-4, four and, four and the whole season's still in front of you. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's what he's been at. That's what he did today. But we're going to go to our caller. We're going to go to Cedric. Oh, we're on the ship, Derek. I like it. What's going on, Cedric? Hey, hey Derek, much better job than the last time I called, man. I appreciate that. Bro. <laughs> I love that Cedric is giving analysis on the show. Exactly. Just, just uh, wait. I, mean, hey, I got to get used to it. I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it now. Cedric, we can get you a job consulting here. I mean, we, yes. can, get, we can get you a job. Hey, Cedric, what, what they say, the more times you do it, the better you become. So I'm, I'm Before you know it, yeah. you and Cedric will be in the conference room having a listening exactly. session. Exactly. <laughs> uh, hey, I like it. Hey, okay, Brayton. I hear, I hear the stats that you put out about the Chargers, but you failed to mention, according to NFL.com, the Chargers have the fifth best defense against the pass. That's yards now, per this, game, yes. Yeah, Denver Which was three. At, Atlanta was 28. And, and so you're referencing Mariota getting pass protection and all that stuff and carving up the 28th best team against the pass in the league. I mean, we got to give Tannehill some credit here. Tannehill stepped up. The offensive line all of a sudden looked a lot better. Yesterday, because he was decisive, he got rid of the ball. He he was throwing what I would call passes that Derek Mason would approve of. And and to me, Derek, if you would touch on this, it looked like the receivers were running their routes a little bit harder 
because they knew there was a chance they were going to get the ball in all areas of the field. So uh, I, I, I liked what I see. I, I was shocked that Tannehill didn't throw a couple of picks, I'll be honest, because uh, he, he's been known for that. But we also know he's going to take a lot more chances than Mariota. But uh, interested to hear, hear your take on that, Dad. No, you're absolutely right, um, Cedric. And I think I said it um, earlier. I said the receivers, it just looks like the receivers know they're going to get the ball, even if it's tight coverage. Um, they're going to continue. They're going to run their routes full speed. They know they have an opportunity of getting it as soon as they come out of the break. And I think with Marcus, it was more so of him hesitating and him waiting just a tad bit too long. Um, you just saw Tannehill, the pass he threw down the middle of the field to Jonu Smith, um, the pass he threw to Corey Davis in the end zone, the pass he threw to A.J. Brown on a third down, I think, in, AJ, in the middle of the field. A.J. Brown went up and, and, and just snatched it. Um, he's going to give them opportunities to play and make plays, and that's all a receiver asks. And when they see that you're going to consistently do it, they're going to run. They're, they're going to run their routes a lot different because they know at any op- at any moment they are going to get the football. So there's no, oh, he's not going to hit me in this window. Let me kind of glide to the next. No, they know. You know that in route he threw to Corey Davis. Corey Davis wasn't open. That dude was on his back. But you know what Tannehill said? You know, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to play. If you drop it, that's on you. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a play. And Corey Davis made a play. Um, and that's all these receivers want. And hopefully moving forward, this can continue. He's going to throw some interceptions. That's just how it's going to be. He's going to throw some. Um, and he's going to get sacked. Yeah, and he's going to get sacked. Gonna um, and, and they're not going to win every game from here on out. At least I don't think they are. They could. Wouldn't that be fun? But, I mean, at this particular time, he gives him the he gives the Titans a better opportunity to win. Marcus Mariota's unless injury, because I don't think Tannehill is going to play that bad. Unless you have an injury, I think we've seen the last days of Marcus Mariota here at quarterback. It's, to, it's totally possible. Now I'll defend myself. The Chargers are not the fifth best pass defense. Now, uh, again, I have been very consistent on this for offense and defense, college and pro, Titans or otherwise. Your efficiency per play is what I care about. You guys have made fun of me for, for over a year now on my yards per play stat, right? Like, that's the mm-hmm. number that I love. What I care about is how efficient are you on each snap. I don't care how many yards you give up per game. That's, that's 1996 football. I don't care about that number. What I care about is how efficient are you. The, the San Diego, San Diego, the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers are giving up an average quarterback rating to opposing quarterbacks of 108.5 this season. That's 28th in the NFL. That means efficient, from an efficiency standpoint, they're terrible. Yards per attempt, which is what I care about when it comes to quarterback play. How many yards are you gaining on every attempt? It's like yards per play on offense. They are 29th in the NFL, giving up 8.7 yards per per attempt. On a per-pass basis, the Chargers defense is atrocious. They had 12 sacks coming into the season. Uh, and coming into this game, that was 24th in the NFL. They were not pressuring the quarterback, and they were allowing large chunk plays and completions all season. They're two and five. They just lost to the Broncos. <laughs> like I know the Titans just did the same thing. Like th- this is not a great football team or even a good football team. So I, two things can be true. Ryan Tannehill was really good yesterday. The offense did look different yesterday. He did fire the football out of the pocket, and also the Chargers aren't that good. So let's see it again next week. And then we'll have more to say. And then we'll see it after that. And we'll have more to say after that. I just point out facts. They need to be considered and taken into account. That's all I'm saying. Stick to sports is coming up next. And then we'll get right back to your Titans call. Stay there. It's Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 a game. World is 
is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drive. All right, Derek Mason, Stick to Sports is brought to you by... Decorating Dan Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorating Dan when you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces. Uh, request a complimentary appointment online at... You know, sometimes you got to call an audible in sports radio, and we will audible here. Uh, we will get out of stick to sports because the prudent play right now is to stick to the Tennessee Titans and continue our conversation. And unlike Jarek Garantano, I have autonomy to audible, and I will not get us into a bad play and have it result in a 107-yard touchdown the other way. So what you're saying is Marquise has been benched. Yes, okay. for this yeah. segment. And it's not even Marquise's fault. <laughs> But we got to get back to your Delaney that Walker. Is two, that is two double M's getting benched in exactly. two weeks, man. That is absolutely sad. yes. Oh wow! What number? What number? Mind you, blowing. What, what number were you growing up? Because on Twitter it's just MM8 when you talk about him. I was actually eight because Kobe. So you are MM8 too. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. Next time I say MM8 on Twitter, I'm actually talking about you, Marquis. All right. So we will get to well, Derek. That guy. So so cool. D Mace's uh, theory on Delaney Walker in uh-huh. a second, but let's continue our Titans conversation. Again, gonna get out of stick to sports here this morning uh, and continue this Titans conversation going. Uh, AG is next on Morning Drive. AG, you go ahead. Yo, I just I just don't feel like stats tell the whole story. I, you know, it tell a part of the story because all the stats probably indicate that Vanderbilt was going to lose that game that they just played. And I want to give – I want to thank, man, Derek Mason, man, because last week there was a lot of people still trying to, you know, ride Mario to coattail, and he just came out with honest, man, that, you know, this is not the guy. And, uh, and also I wanted to say – it's like a lot of Mariota supporters, and I like Mariota myself, but it's, it's like the diehard Mariota supporters. It's like now they want to sink their teeth into every little thing that Rabel does wrong. I mean, his first season was all right. He, he making some questionable decisions, but, I mean, we got to get a guy a chance to, you know what I'm saying, either prove that he's the coach or prove that he's not the coach. And so, that's all I have. So, so, AJ, you're not concerned about the decision-making that Mike Vrabel has, has, had, has, has shown this season at all? I I don't know about that. Like I, I don't think anything has anything to do with who the quarterback is or who plays left guard or who's the punter. Like I don't. Like I, he he runs a Dory Jackson out there at punt return. And we all go, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. He he kicks a field goal to, you know, when you should go for go for it. He goes for it when you should kick a field goal. He doesn't challenge the spot of the ball. I, I don't I, I don't think that has anything to do with the quarterback. I, I think there are fair questions to be asked, and nobody on this show is calling for Mike Vrabel's head. Last I checked, I don't think. No. Any, Anybody on this show is suggesting that Mike Vrabel's in hot water he could do at all. A better job. My confidence level so. in him has declined. I've got a couple questions over the last month, yeah, but yeah. I'm not calling for his head. No. no, and and frankly, I don't think anyone on this show said a single positive thing about Marcus Mariota last week again in his performance against Denver, including myself, who apparently is like the biggest homer in the world. I don't think I had a single positive word to say about how he played. We came in Monday morning and we all said, "Dude is broken." So yep. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know. I don't think you're hearing that on this show. I, listen, I know you guys think I like brew my bourbon out of Marcus Mario's bathwater. I think you guys, you know, and we have a fun joke about that. But you know, I, I tell you what I see too, just like anybody else does. You, uh, your Delaney Walker theory in just a second, but uh, one thought though mm-hmm. is based on yeah, and I know it's just one game, but I thought it was over for Mariota a couple of weeks ago, and I said on that show when we were at Kitchen Notes that I would have went to Tannehill for the Buffalo game very early. Like, I would have yanked Mariota, mm-hmm. short leash, play Tannehill in that Bills game, 
start him in the Bronco game. Do you guys think we'd be looking at a different bottom line right now, better than three and four, if they went to Tannehill two weeks early? Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't. Maybe. It's hard to play that uh, game. Maybe they would have won you know, the Den- Denver game had they went to him earlier. Because that was, you know, it was know a close Tom, game. I don't know if Tom Brady wins um, that game, though. Nah, Tom's has he's had some horrible offensive lines. I mean, Tom, line, Tom was Tom was it. Tom was terrible against the Bills, like yeah. the week before. Bills are five and one, boys. Yeah, they're they're a good team. So, but I was I was talking and just talking about the um, the Denver game, and you know, if had they you know had they put him in a little bit earlier, maybe just maybe it'd have been a little bit different. I don't know, um, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, hopefully they can continue. Um, this thing they got going on. Um, You've but, lived it firsthand. Yeah. Delaney Walker, you had a theory the second you walked into the studio this morning. Yeah, because I'm just... And listen, I have no no inside information or, or anything else. Um, there's just something that, that seems a little bit off about this whole Delaney Walker um, thing. And I even said, um, you know, even before the season started, I, I maybe like three or four games ago, I said there are two guys that might not be on this team next year. And it has nothing to do with necessarily their play. I think it's because they're getting older and they got to kind of segue into the new era. And they drastic, drafted guys to kind of be their successor. John U. Smith for Delaney and Jeffrey Simmons for um, Casey. Um and I said, don't be surprised if they're not on a team next year. Um, now, what I think we're seeing is uh, Delaney through, what, six games now? I think it's six, seven, seven? Seven. Seven games. He has 31 targets, um, 21 catches, um, 200 yards. He went without a catch this past game. I don't think he got, you know, two weeks ago he didn't get targeted much. Um, and you know, he spoke about it. Yeah. He, listen, I just doing what the coaches asked me. Um, I just, and then watching yesterday, you can see the disgust on his face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not like he was, you know, making a scene on the sideline. He was still up cheering his team on. He was still, you know, watching everything, but you just saw, you know, he wasn't pleased. Now, I don't know if that was because of the injury or not, but I've come to know Delaney as if the only way he's not playing is if he can't walk. Um, and it didn't seem like he couldn't walk yesterday. It seemed like he still can go out there and, and give them something. Oh, he could walk. Yeah. I just think he was fine on Friday. I night think when I saw they've him. gotten to a point now. Don't be surprised because I went through the same thing right before the trade deadline. You know, you're not playing as much. They cut your minutes back. They cut your plane back. They got a younger guy. All of a sudden. Looks looks healthy. Yeah, looks healthy. All of a sudden, now you get traded. Don't be surprised if Delaney Walker gets traded. Mm. Now they, you know, they mm. Conklin is down. For how long? I don't know. Um, Nate Davis, Nate got, hurt Davis yesterday. got hurt yesterday. So they need some help on the offensive line. And, and Delaney still can be, you know, a guy that can make plays for somebody. So they still can get something for him. But don't be surprised if Delaney gets traded. Uh, pretty soon here. Again, I have no information on this whatsoever. Right. It's just a gut feeling. Just like I had a gut feeling with um, the receiver 
um, out of uh, Western Kentucky to just get Taewon Taylor. And I had been saying all that time, he's getting traded. He's getting traded. They're doing so because they're not playing him. He's getting traded. And lo and behold, he gets traded. I think we're sort of down that same road with Delaney Walker. Now, they might not trade him. I don't know. But it just feels like there's something that's going to happen with him. Yeah, one more final note on the game yesterday. I think that's really important. And for those of you that think I'm a homer on Mariota, you got just wait till I start talking about Jeffrey Simmons because mm-hmm. Jeffrey Simmons is actually a superstar. Um, he was a super stud coming out of college. For no one, even the most, you know, even the most optimistic person on Jeffrey Simmons, and if you want to put me in that boat, that's fine. Never saw week seven. None of us saw week seven contribution coming. 21 snaps yesterday. He was getting doubled in the first half of his first ever NFL game coming off a torn ACL and having an impact early. And then on the final drive, both plays at the goal line. He absolutely blows up the play in the in the middle of the line. It's why you drafted him in the first round. It's why you waited from to recover from the injury. He is a bona fide war daddy in the middle of that defensive line for the next ten years if he can stay healthy. And he showed us a flash of it yesterday. So uh, it, he is all 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 hands welcome to Jeffrey Simmons because that dude is a straight monster in the middle of the defensive line. All right, big final hour coming up here on the show. We've got the big finish at 9.45. We will go around the NFL. Uh, and also, we'll get back to the Nashville Predators when we come back. Our buddy Darren McFarland will join us for a couple of minutes to talk about Saturday and where we stand with the Nashville Predators through eight games, four and four. But in their last four games, they've accumulated a total of three points. We're back after this on Morning Drive.